in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. And welcome to the CEO Raider podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. Thank you for tuning in. And for those of you that haven't subscribed, please do so. If you haven't left a review, please do so. If you're not the type to write reviews, you can go to iTunes and leave us a a five-star. It's a one-click job. If you do like to write reviews, you should also check us out at CEORator.com and write a review about your company or CEO. You can also follow us at TechToday.com, T-E-K number two day.com, which for the moment is a free blog, free newsletter. And we just posted sort of a longer form post at Tech Today. And if you follow us on CEO Raider on Twitter, CEO Raider at Facebook, CEO Raider on LinkedIn, you saw our link to that post. And it's about autonomous driving. It's sort of an area within technology that's got a lot of interest. It just felt really early to start to talk about unit sales and things like this. It's in the nascent stage. Autonomous technology has been developed. There are a number of startups in the space. All the large auto OEMs are working on their own R&D efforts in addition to having made some tuck-in acquisitions. Not that all of them have made tuck-in acquisitions, but a number of them have acquired technology in the space. And so rather than try to predict what the, the unit sale curve may look like, we thought it makes sense to talk about the various winners and losers. You know, if you think about the different categories, the OEMs, the various tech companies and such, the auto insurers. Let's start with the, the losers, because I think it's a short list. I think the losers, obviously, one of the, the auto insurers. The auto insurers have faced downward pressure since the what began as a financial downturn in 2008 and ultimately became a broader economic downturn globally. And people just, you know, during the sort of the trough of the downturn and even coming out of the downturn, people globally were just hesitant to get their automobiles repaired and file claims because they didn't want to pay premiums. And I was in the, the thick of it during the downturn, working for a software vendor, the largest in the world that sold into the space. So I had a pretty good view of it. And in addition to policyholders not wanting to file claims, car owners took longer to replace vehicles. So vehicle replacement cycles extended. You know, I think the average holding period is roughly a decade. So that was sort of economic driven, but it stayed with us. And then you have advances in technology. So you have crash avoidance technology that's made it safer and less probable that drivers will get into accidents. You have ride sharing. So a lot of younger people just frankly don't want to own cars. And I'm not just talking about young men and women who live in in midtown Manhattan or who live in San Francisco proper, but just sort of across North America and to some extent globally. Uh, along with mega trends like multi-unit housing, apartment growth, we see this ride-sharing phenomenon. And then lastly, now you have autonomous vehicles that are starting to come onto the roads. And in that case, many of the automobile manufacturers, the OEMs, will simply self-insure the, the car. They'll build, bear the risk. So the auto insurer is going to have to figure out something to replace that revenue. And you see a lot of them, at least the ones that have a commercial side to their business. They're selling cybersecurity insurance and things like this. So they're having to flex their model a little bit. But for sure, they're going to face substantial downward pressure as autonomous vehicles come onto the roads. You have the fleet operators, so the short-term rental guys, the short-term rental car companies. They, too, have faced pressure since the, the broad downturn in 08 and 09. 
from rideshare companies. I think business travel is for sure at more normalized levels. So there's less of that financial pressure that they felt back in 08 and 09. But the question remains for the, the fleet operators, what, what do they do to better utilize idle vehicle units in their fleets? So anything that they can do to help drive utilization of their idle fleet units would be a win. They could do ride sharing. Some of them are. We've seen some acquisitions in that space. Food delivery. We've seen a lot of food delivery startups. Uber has played there. Why can't the ride share companies? I think, I think uh, rather, why can't the, uh, the fleet operators? I think what the issue will be for the fleet operators is it's going to require a DNA change at the top. A lot of these companies just aren't the most creative entrepreneurial enterprises. No pun intended. They're going to have to make some changes at the top in order to flex their business model, in order to adapt to some of these mega trends that are changing the economy, the uberization of the economy, if you will. And then if you think about the winners, in large part, you know, so kind of think about a handful of categories, the automobile OEMs, the automotive suppliers, the technology companies that play in the auto space, like my old firm at Solera, consumer tech companies. Freight operators, to the extent that they adopt autonomous technology, and service maintenance repair shops. So I'll kind of touch on all of these. But I think I want to spend the most time talking about consumer technology because I think the way this is going to shake out the autonomous vehicle space, steady state, I think it's going to look like mobile phones, steady state. Mobile phones isn't quite there yet, but I talked about this a few podcast episodes ago when I said that you know smartphones are essentially ubiquitous, and now it's a function of adding the artificial intelligence layer, the AI layer, to the phone. Like that's the next iteration of the quote-unquote smartphone. And I made the case that without that intelligence layer, that AI layer, the smartphone is essentially a, a dumb device. It can give you access to the internet. It can execute a phone call. It's multifunctional. It's a useful device. But you can't exactly have a natural language conversation with it. You can't execute seamless voice queries with it unless you sort of have ai baked in and the case i made is that google and amazon are well ahead of siri in the ai case on the on the phone just ai in general whether it's a phone that we're talking about or the in-home devices this extends to the car and so what i talked about in my in the report that we published was that if you assume some baseline level of competency around autonomous vehicles so the camera technology the sensory technology let's assume that yeah, at some point in the not too distant future all the major automotive oems have similar autonomous capability in terms of efficacy accident rates and maybe the way this shakes out is some oems really kind of blaze a trail like waymo is doing the alphabet unit and perhaps those OEMs who are way at the back of the pack who are lagging least the autonomous technology or by the autonomous technology from the leaders. So maybe the way it shakes out is, and I'm just making up numbers, but maybe half of the OEMs have built their own and the other half kind of leases. I think we may see I think we may see partnerships amongst the OEMs, some joint ventures where they pursue elements of autonomous platforms together and share the costs and share the upside. So let's assume all that takes place. And we have we have sort of baseline autonomous capability. What then is the differentiator? Who's going to win? And I think it comes down to personalization. You could put that under the umbrella brand equity or brand power of the brand. 
But at the end of the day, it's personalization. And some of that may be the, the design of the vehicle, uh, the, the design of the shell, you know, the visual piece that we see. Some of it may be the design of the, the interior. But if we sort of hold that equal for the playing field, I think it's going to be personalization, whichever automobile OEM and their partners that best personalize the vehicle, those are the entities that are going to capture the most value within the value chain. And from where I sit now, it looks like it's the AI companies, it's, it's Google and Amazon in particular, that have the best opportunity to do that because their AIs allow for personalization and portability. They're in the home, they're on the phone, and they'll be in the car, right? So you're going to need some sophisticated intelligence, AI-driven intelligence, in the vehicle to enable that passenger to pursue whatever activity he or she wants while in the vehicle to personalize that experience, whether it's a leisure experience with video and audio, you know, movies, music, what have you, or whether it's more of a, you know, that could be the commute one day, the commute the next day could be more of a productivity-oriented commute where the passenger is sort of, uh, the example I wrote about was passenger having a, a Google Plus or a G Suite hangout call on an in-car display made by one of the display manufacturers. So you have three or four people on this Google Hangout and then maybe you're looking at notes on your phone and maybe you have your laptop open open as well and you're scrolling through numbers on your laptop. And all this is enabled and powered by AI. And I don't want to say AI that integrates seamlessly because integrates just sounds old and heavy. The phrase I use is connectivity. And not connectivity the way you would talk about it in the 1990s, but connectivity in the sense that it may be something as simple as wirelessly powering your device in the car. Or it may be powering the scenario I just described where you have multiple screens open in your screen sharing. And all the devices are sort of connected and talking to each other. And it's all powered by the AI. And that may be Apple's hope. If you remember a couple of episodes ago, I think it was maybe episode 77 of the podcast, I had talked about Will Siri be Apple's downfall because it is such a laggard? Well, maybe this is an opportunity for Apple to catch up. Because one thing that Apple does exceptionally well, and that's integrate hardware and software. So to the extent you know, Apple's building their own automobile, and we link to that in the, in the report, to the extent that they could blend the two, hardware and software, exceptionally well, and do it better than anybody else, better than, let's say, Waymo, better than, let's say, any Android capability baked into another automobile OEM's vehicle. If Apple could build something that's just from a design standpoint, uh, in terms of the you know the visual design, the cosmetic design of the, of the vehicle, as well as the in-car experience, if everything just works materially more smoothly when compared to the in-vehicle experience to other uh, other. OEM product, then perhaps that's a way for Apple to sort of play catch up. And you would think that the AI experience in the vehicle is going to be a heck of a lot more complex than the executions that would take place on the phone. So maybe if Apple does the car really well, 
you know, and, and Siri is really going to be put to the test because the complexities of the car supersede that of the phone. If Siri can execute really well across all of those executables, perhaps it's a way for Siri to play catch up and gain some lost ground vis-a-vis Google and Amazon. So that, that's really the, the heart of the piece in that personalization, in my view, personalization of the in-vehicle experience with autonomous vehicles. Those uh, participants in the value chain who best enable personalization are going to capture the most value in the value chain. And so, as I say, you know, the, the AI companies are the ones I think that are best positioned to do so. And then beyond that, there are other opportunities. There are the auto tech companies like Amberella, who's in the semiconductor space, the camera space. They have sensing cameras, viewing cameras, driving recorders. So I view them more as a component manufacturer. IBM is going to make a bigger push into the space with, with Watson. They have roughly $5 billion of auto-related revenue today. Nuance, one of the ones I got to know back in my banking days. They have speech recognition in the vehicle. So I think they're at risk, the speech recognition guys, IBM, Nuance. But there's also opportunity there. They're already in the car. So if they can leverage their, their footprint in the vehicle, I just think there's a lot of opportunity if you're already in the vehicle. Um, when, when autonomous cars come on board and go live, those autonomous vehicles, the amount of complexity, the level of complexity versus a sort of a, you know, just a, a, a non-autonomous car, uh, the level of complexity in an autonomous car is far greater. And with complexity breeds opportunity, particularly when you're talking about technology. So if you already have a footprint in the vehicle as a technology vendor, I think you have some opportunity, whether or not uh, risk is associated with your, your, the, the positioning of your current footprint. I, I still find that attractive. My old company, Solera, they have a business unit called DigiIdentity out of the Netherlands. And it sort of reminds me of our old uh, Identity Hub product, where I just feel like if you can verify and authenticate someone's identity, uh, not only is that important for um, warding off cyber breaches and things of this sort, but it enables things like straight-through processing, whether it's payment-related, Think about like Apple's Face ID, for example. So authenticating payments in the car, it could be executing transactions in the vehicle. It could be something as simple as unlocking the vehicle, locking the vehicle, making it theft-proof. It could be facilitating uh, the filing of a claim or a maintenance and repair order. If interested parties in a given transaction don't have to manually authenticate ownership, you know, if that's done seamlessly, seamlessly through technology, it can reduce cycle times. It just, anytime you can reduce manual touches and replace a manual touch with straight through processing, there's always large dollars to be saved. So I think identity management has a place in every corner of the global economy. And then just sort of the last two elements we talk about in the report are, you know, in terms of who may benefit, freight operators. So if you're one of these long haul trucking companies, to the extent you can go autonomous, and um, U.S. Express is the one we refer to in the report. They were just discussed in a New York Times article a couple of weeks ago. I think they have 7,000 autonomous trucks in their fleet. And so uh, there are cost saves and efficiency saves and safety. And then service maintenance repair shops, when you think about autonomous cars, the knowledge, the knowledge bases that service maintenance repair shops are going to be required to have in order to effectively and efficiently repair an autonomous vehicle. So as I said earlier, the complexity associated with an autonomous vehicle is much, much greater than a vehicle that's not an autonomous vehicle. And so therefore, these service maintenance repair shops that can 
quickly, effectively, efficiently repair autonomous vehicles or maintain autonomous vehicles are going to win the lion's share of the business. They're going to get more referrals from the dealer, more referrals from the insurance carriers, which will you know, be the largely OEMs in this, in this new environment. And if you remember, just, I think it was last week or the week prior, Waymo and AutoNation struck a deal where AutoNation is going to maintain Waymo's vehicles. So I think you'll see more of that, more partnerships, and it will be with large companies like AutoNation. I think you'll continue to see you'll continue to see uh, M&A activity amongst the the service repair shops, and I think that's going to accelerate because larger repair shop systems. So if you have a a, a repair chain that has you know two, three, five hundred, a thousand rooftops, and it's a big national chain, and they have scale, and they have learnings across the system. They're a learning learning organization. They have the capital to invest in technology and so on and so forth. It's those type of repair shop organizations that are going to be best positioned to that are going to be best positioned to handle large scale repair of autonomous vehicles. So I think we'll continue to see consolidation in that space. So the takeaway is that AI is going to win the day, and that the two best AI players, Google and Amazon have the the pole position in this autonomous vehicle space. See you all next time. Be well.